Amen. Well, thank you to the Pickers for leading us in worship this morning. God has blessed this church with some amazingly talented people uh, who have a heart to lead worship, and we are thankful for that. Please turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 is where we will be this morning. I know that many are trying to figure out how to keep their kids entertained while they are on an extended break from school. I know that my kids particularly have been coloring and drawing a lot more lately, and it it kind of reminds me of the story that I heard about a kindergarten teacher who was walking around observing her classroom as the children were drawing pictures. And one little kindergarten girl was working really hard, very diligently on a picture, and the teacher asked her, she said, Honey, what is that that you're drawing there? The girl replied, I'm drawing God. The teacher paused and said, Well, honey, you know, no one really knows what God looks like. And the little girl, without missing a beat, says, well, they will in just a minute. You know, that reminds me that one of the ways that, that God expresses himself, that one of the ways that God demonstrates his presence, his holiness, his wisdom, his love, is through the ministry of the local church. The local church is to be a, a, a picture of the ministry of God at work. In fact, in Ephesians 5, we're told uh, as believers to be imitators of God. Why? Why are we to be imitators of God? Well, it's because God expresses himself through the ministry of a Bible-believing New Testament church. As I come to you again today from an empty room, I want you to know how greatly I have been encouraged this last week as your pastor and also just as a fellow believer in Christ with so many of you got online to, to worship with us together in spirit and in truth. And as I come to you again from this empty room, I want you to know um, how excited I am about what God is doing. I, I have just sensed a great deal of excitement about the things of the Lord a couple, in the last couple weeks with the whole COVID-19 deal, the, the social distancing, the, the quarantines. You know, it's bringing people together like never before. The preaching of the gospel even is, is overwhelming the bandwidth on, on Facebook and on YouTube. And uh, man, praise God for what he's doing. We, of course, we, uh, we pray for those that are suffering and we pray that that suffering ends soon. And, and uh, we, uh, we certainly uh, pray for those that have lost loved ones. But we also realize that with the, uh, the, the, the time together, the time uh, of, of not being as distracted with, with work and with uh, many of the things that we find ourselves doing in the course of our everyday lives, I, I believe that God is drawing us together like never before. And, and my prayer is that, uh, that through this whole process that, uh, that, that God would be pictured would be uh, would the, the ministry of God would be evident in the work and the ministry of his church you know it's interesting that in the seven letters 
to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3. The theme is always the church, but if you really look at it, the subject is always Jesus. The letters are written to the church about the ministry of the church, but every bit of what is written, the commands, the the warnings, the uh, encouragements, every bit of it is connected to Jesus, who he is, what he did and what he expects out of his bride. And so this morning we're going to jump back into Revelation 3 and we're going to look at a letter that that is written from Jesus to a local body of believers in a place called Philadelphia. No, it's not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's it's a place that is in modern-day Turkey. But what we're going to see in this passage is that at the end of the first century A.D. or common era, whatever you want to call it, it really doesn't matter because Jesus is, uh, is the marker between uh, before common era and common era. But, uh, but in the first century A.D. over there in Turkey in a place called Philadelphia, there existed a local body of believers who were faithful to God and endured the hardships of their culture in order to be used by God to shine the light of Christ to a lost world. And so I want to take a look at this letter and see what it looks like to be an enduring church. So we are in Revelation chapter 3. We're beginning in verse 7. Write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close and closes and no one opens, says, I know your works because you have limited strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Look, I've placed before you an open door that no one else is able to close. Take note, I will make those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews and are not, but are lying. Note this, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and they will know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to endure. I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come over the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming quickly. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. The victor, I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, and he will never go out again. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and and my new name. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, we pray that this morning as we look at your word here together, Father, that there's so much here that we could dig into. And Lord, I just pray that that, that your word, Father, that is living and breathing would speak life into us. Father, I pray that we would have a better understanding, Lord, of how we can be a church that endures. Father, a church that endures the hardships of culture. And Father, that it will endure the hardships of life. Father, we pray that in all this you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing I want you to see here is that a church that endures or an enduring church 
is one that is dependable and dependent on the power of God. It's both dependable and dependent on the power of God. If you look right there in verse 8, the very, very, very first part of it, Jesus says to the church, I know your works because you have limited strength. You see, you see they, were, they were a group of believers that were dependable. And so what, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that they were living in a city uh, that was developed specifically as an effort by the Romans to, to reach a, uh, a lesser developed part of Asia. So, they would, uh, so the city was there as a springboard for Roman missionaries, not Christian missionaries, but pagan missionaries to influence uh, other parts of Asia with the values of the Roman, uh, the Roman society, including their religions. And so, uh, so, so it, was, it, it was a place that was really a missionary for pagan religion, okay? Not a missionary to the pagan religion. And uh, maybe in some sense, because there was a church there, they were reaching that culture, but the culture as a whole was trying to reach outside of the city to reach others with pagan worship. And so uh, one of the nicknames, in fact, of Philadelphia was Little Athens. It was known in, in, uh, in the region as Little Athens. And if you know anything about, about Athens in the Roman culture, it's a very important city. And it was, it was the center of worship for uh, the mythological gods of Mount Olympus. This is where, um, where the Olympic gods were worshipped most high, it was a center of worship to this pagan mythology. And th this congregation, like others before it, and like others we've already read about in the book of Revelation, this congregation uh, existed right in the epicenter of a pagan culture and pagan worship and a culture that was hostile to Christianity. But somehow they demonstrated themselves to be dependable. You know, in each one of the seven letters to the seven churches, five of them contain words of correction. As Jesus writes to the specific congregation, he gives, he gives words of correction to these congregations. And, uh, and Jesus will also call out specific sins. In five of these letters, he calls out specific sins and commands them to change. But in two of the letters... Uh, one that we've already read, the letter to Smyrna, and in this letter to Philadelphia, uh, there is no sin that Jesus is exposing. There's no sin that he's calling out, yet he, instead he gives them words of encouragement. You say, well, why is that? Listen, if you think there was no one sinning in Philadelphia or in the church of Philadelphia, I think you're probably kidding yourself, okay? Of course, there would have been individuals who struggled with sin, but, uh, but that sin was not being embraced by the congregation or by the culture as a whole. Remember what he said to Thyatira, what their sin was, that they, as a congregation, tolerated the pagan teaching of, uh, of, of Jezebel. And so, so although there would have been people struggling with sin, this congregation has not embraced this as part of their doctrine or part of their, 
practices. And so Jesus is giving them encouragement. And what I see here is if you, if you can get your mind around the fact that everybody is going to struggle with sin. One of the things that, that, that we understand here is that there's a difference between struggling, struggling against sin and giving in to sin. There were some churches where the believers were giving in to certain sins as a whole. But yet here is a group of believers who are dependable, not because they were perfect. In fact, they were very likely individually struggling against certain sins, yet they were struggling to do what was right. They were struggling to have a faith that was dependable. Let me ask you something, folks. Do you have a faith that is dependable? Listen, I don't ask you that because, because I think God needs anything from you. In fact, He doesn't need anything from us, yet He commands us to be faithful. You remember in Scripture, you know, we're told that if we're faithful with a little, then, uh, then, then, then we will be given more than that, right? Uh, that if you're faithful with a little, it shows that you can be faithful in abundance. I think a lot of believers in Christ wander around feeling frustrated, feeling like God is not speaking to them, like God is not using them in their lives. And, and, and listen, some of the time, I'm not going to say all the time, but some of the time, I think the problem is, is, is not that God is not uh, speaking to them or, or leading them. It's that they're not listening. It's that they're not following. It's that they're not being faithful with the things that God has already given them. If, if you can't be faithful with the little things in life that God gives you to do, of course we... People think about that when it comes to giving, but I think about that as your life as a whole. I mean, if, if you can't be faithful in the things that God gives you, the little things that God gives you, then don't be surprised that He doesn't deliver to you bigger things. Uh, why, don't be surprised that He doesn't give you more to do. Listen, you understand that. Those of you that, that, that are in the workforce, you uh, are supervisors. Okay, you understand the importance of having somebody that you can depend on. Somebody, if you give them an assignment, that they're going to do it. It's not that you couldn't do it yourself. It's not that you're not going to come and do it yourself if, if this person doesn't do it. But you understand the people that you can give certain things to. If you're a student and you've ever been given a, you've ever been given a, a group assignment, you understand that there are certain things that you do not ask people to do who have not demonstrated themselves to be dependable. Okay? You don't want your grade riding on somebody else's failure. So what do you do? You don't give that person that you don't trust. You don't, you don't give them very much to do. You give them very little, right? Because, uh, because, because you understand that they're not very dependable. Listen, I want to ask you folks, in what ways are you dependable in your faith? In what ways are you faithful to the things that God has already given to you, given for you to do? So listen, the thing about being a dependable believer is that a dependable believer and a, a church that endures are those 
who also learned to be dependent on the power of God. Remember I said that the church that endures is one that is dependable, right? They, they've demonstrated themselves faithful. But you can all, only demonstrate yourself faithful to God when you are completely dependent upon the power of God. You see those things go together. Because a church that endures is, is one who accepts and proclaims the deity of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have to understand and we have to get our hearts around the fact that Jesus is not a religious concept. He is the reigning, ruling, creator and king. And, and, and so that's in fact, that's what's being described in verse 7 as Jesus introduces himself as the one writing the letter. This is where the message comes from. And in verse 7, Jesus describes himself as the holy one, the true one. The one who has the key of David who opens and no one will close and who closes and no one opens. That is what's being described. A ruling, reigning deity, one and only Lord and Savior on the throne in heaven. See, we have to get our, our, our minds and our hearts around the fact that it is God who works through us. We don't work through God. It's He that works through us. He is the hand and we are the glove. He is the electricity and we're the light bulb. We, 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 cannot, we cannot shine light without the power that, that, that gives that light. He is the sun who gives light to the earth and we are the moon that reflects that light into the darkness. You see, He is the source of power. That's why the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he, 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 it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. When talking about the passage here in Revelation 3, the late Vance Havner said about the passage here in Revelation 3, he says, it's not a matter of great strength, not great ability, but great dependability. He said, Samson had great ability, but poor dependability. And he says this, I love it. He says, a little strength faithfully used means more than much strength flashily and fitfully used. Listen, I, I want to ask you, what ways are you depending upon God? Because this letter was written to believers who were dependable. They were faithful because they depended upon the power of God. And because of that, God used them in a tremendous way to have an impact on a culture and have an impact for us today for His Kingdom. They were known as a church who endured. Parable of First Baptist Church, my prayer is that we would be a church that endures. It's a church that endures is, is one that's dependent and depends on the power of God, but it's also a church that is devoted to the Word of God. He's, in verse 8 here, he says, I know your works. I know you have kept my word. I don't know if you hear that. Let me read that again. 
he says, Jesus says to the church, I know your works. And he skip over a little bit and he says that you have kept my word. I don't know if you're, if you're catching that right now. Sometimes we don't catch these things as we just read over them. But there is a presupposition that is embedded into that statement. What I mean is, is that there's, there's certain things that we can understand about the church in Philadelphia in that day based on that statement. There's something that's already given to us. And when he says, you have kept my word. Listen, here's the deal. You cannot keep a word that you have never heard. You cannot keep a word that you do not know. This was a church that was greatly devoted to the ministry of the word of God. You see, see, an enduring church is one that treats the entire Bible the, the, all of Scripture as divinely inspired by God. What that means is that, that we believe as a church uh, that, that this book and the, the books that, that are, are, are made up to, uh, to form for us uh, this complete holy book of the Bible, we believe that as a church that, that this wasn't just randomly made up by human beings, okay? This wasn't just, uh, just random writings of random weird people out there somewhere that other weird people uh, assembled together. You know, that's not what this is. Listen, the Bible was, it's true that it was physically penned by uh, by men, by human beings, but it was physically penned by those men in the context of what God was doing in their lives. And it was the Holy Spirit of God working inside the heart of those men who divinely inspired them. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, said all scriptures God breathed. And so what that means is that, that as the Holy Spirit inspired these words, worked in their heart for these men to write the word of God down, that this literally came from the very mouth of God. And we believe as a, as a church that, that these things that come from the very mouth of God are flawlessly expressed to you and I by what was written in this book. This is the Word of God. And Enduring Church is the one that, that has conviction that, that the Bible is divinely inspired. They're devoted to the teaching and to the ministry of the Word. It's a, it's a conviction that the Bible is the source of and definition of morality. It's a conviction that uh, just like the one that was expressed by one of our former presidents of the United States who when talking about the Bible very, uh, uh, very articulately said these words. He said, within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems that men face. Listen, we understand as a church that we have to understand that the Bible is the complete divinely inspired Word of God. In Acts 2, we're told of the early church that 
that those who accepted the message were baptized. And, and on one particular day here in verse 41, about 3,000 people were added to the church. In verse 42, it says, um, it, it says in Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what were the apostles teaching? They were teaching the Word of God. The late R.C. Sproul once said that the Word of God can be in the mind without being in the heart, but it cannot be in the heart without first being in the mind. You see, an enduring church is one that's devoted to the teaching and the preaching and the ministry of the Word of God. It's a church that's, that's corporately devoted to those things because it, it, it first has to be filled with people who are individually devoted to those things. And so we as individuals have to be people that are devoted to the ministry of the Word. The fact that many of you are connected with us right now is great evidence that you are um, devoted to the ministry of the Word of God. But one of the things you have to understand is that is that, that doesn't end right here. When, when we get done with this message here this morning, your devotion to the Word of God does not end in this place. It goes on. It, it, it's carried out later today and tomorrow as you read the Word of God and the day after that and the day after that as you spend time in the Word of God. Listen, you cannot be faithful or devoted or keep a word that you do not know. An enduring church is dependable and dependent on the power of God. An enduring church is devoted to the Word of God, but it's also dedicated to obeying God. He says here again in verse 8, I know your works, that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. When Jesus says, you've kept my word and have not denied my name, listen, he is commending them for being devoted enough to learn the word of God. But not, not just to learn it, not just to memorize things, but devoted enough to learn it and apply it. Uh, devoted enough to be, uh, to, to, uh, to be dedicated to obeying the Word of God that they have learned. You know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it reminds me what Jesus is uh, talking about in John 14, 23, when Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love Him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. What an amazing expression of love that is. What an amazing expression of love we see demonstrated here at the Church of Philadelphia. If you don't know, the word Philadelphia uh, means the, the city of brotherly love. This was a, a, a place that was known, it was founded by uh, by two brothers who had great love for one another, brotherly love for one another. And, and so it was known as the city of brotherly love. But what an awesome thing here because, because this is an example. When it says that you've kept my word and you've not denied my name here in Revelation 3, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in John 14. But in John 14, the love that Jesus ta is talking about is not 
brotherly love. You see, in the Greek, the, 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 word, uh, uh, the, the word phileo, which is where you get the, the, the name Philadelphia, that's, that means brotherly love. But in, in John 14, Jesus is not talking about phileo love. He's talking about agape love, which is, which is the, the, the ultimate expression of love. It, it goes beyond the concept of brotherly love. And, and it's, uh, it, it's a love that you have that's from God to God. It's a love that God expresses to us. It's a love that we're able to express back to God because of His power and his, the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And so the church at Philadelphia was a church that was faithful to God in a church that who endured hardship in order to reach the lost and to make disciples. Listen, today we're in a season of hardship in our culture today. In a season of hardship where we're unable to gather together as believers. We're, un, we're unable to do many of the things that we would normally do as we seek to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples. But I believe, Perryville First Baptist Church, I believe with all my heart that if we will be dependable in that we will be faithful to God and we would be dependent upon His power, not our power, His power alone. If we are devoted to the Word of God and dedicated to obeying the Word of God, that we will be a church that endures a chaos and brings glory to God. In just a moment, the music's going to play and you're going to have a chance to respond to the Lord. First and foremost, I want to encourage you to to think about whatever it is that God may be saying to you in this moment here this morning. Uh, Whatever God is laying upon your heart, I want to encourage you as we sing this song. It it is a a song of invitation, but it's a song of reflection and it's a song of worship as we reflect upon the way that God has spoken to us and we we reflect upon what we hear in the word of God. But I want to encourage you to reflect upon the ways that God is stirring in your heart. Maybe you need to make a commitment to Christ right where you are today. A heart, a heart commitment. Maybe you just need to be honest with the Lord. If you're a believer in Christ, I want you to ask yourself, how can I be more dependable in my faith? How can I be more dependent on the power of God? How can I be more devoted to the ministry of the Word? How can I be more dedicated to being obedient to the things that God proclaims and the ways that God is leading me in my life? If you're out there and you need to talk to someone, you need someone to pray with you, maybe pray for you, maybe you have questions about what it means to be a Christian or uh, what it means to be scripturally baptized, Maybe there's some other commitment that you're struggling with or a question that you have. Just someone that, something that, that you just feel like you need to talk to somebody about. Listen, in an effort to obey God, I, I want to just ask you first and foremost, will you in your heart spiritually, will you just lean in to what God is saying in an effort to obey Him, in an effort to be more devoted to Him? After the music, I'm going to give you some instructions for for different ways that you can respond. But as we get ready to worship Him, would you think about 
what he is saying to you in this moment. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We are so thankful for your grace, so thankful for your goodness. And Father, it's my prayer that, that I would be a, a believer in Christ who has a faith that endures. And that we as a body of believers here at Perryville First Baptist Church, that we would be a group of believers, Father, who are enduring. Father, who are faithful to endure for the cause of Christ in the days ahead. Father, I pray that in all, all things, Father, that your name would be glorified. I pray for someone that is watching this out there right now who needs to make a commitment, a decision. Maybe they need to repent of a sin. Maybe there is a, a, something that, that is on their heart, heavy on their heart. They need to lay it down at your feet. Father, I pray that they would lean into you, Father, as you are speaking to our heart this morning. May you be glorified in all that happens. In Jesus' name, amen.